Welcome to Season 2 of Fracktown Gumshoe, Holy Fits, based on the novels by Deborah Gaskill. Chapter 19 Maybe I was out for a while. Maybe I wasn't. I don't know. But before I knew it, I was being loaded into the back of an ambulance. My left arm was splinted and wrapped tightly in gauze. Where's my partner? Where's my partner? I grabbed the bald medic's shirt with my good hand. Is she okay? Is she alright? It's okay, pal. Relax. Let's worry about you right now. He was bigger than me, so I let him peel my fingers from his shirt and lock the gurney into place in the back of the hospital wagon. I knew from experience his response would have been something else if Fiona was okay. You gotta tell me. Please. I promised I wouldn't let her die. I promised. Let's get you to the hospital first. You took a pretty good sized shot to the arm, through and through. Can you move your fingers, Mr. Fitzhugh? What about the guy who shot us? The medic sighed before he answers. I know they got him, but that's it. Move your fingers for me. Was he shot too? I tried to sit up. I grimaced as my fingers refused the medic's request. The medic took a seat next to the gurney, checking the splint on my arms as the sirens began to wail and the ambulance began to move. Relax, please relax. I don't think the bullet hit your brachial artery, but I do think you have a broken bone, so you need to be still. I need to ask you a few questions about your health history first. But what happened to Kovach? Is he in custody? Is he okay? I know how you guys talk at accident scenes. I know you gotta know more. Mr. Fitzhugh, I need to know some things before I can help you out. What medications are you on? Anything in your medical history we should know? Heart attack? High blood pressure? Did you hit your head when you fell? I'm not answering a damn thing until you tell me what happened to Kovach. The pain in my arm made me grimace. The medic sighed. The driver of the truck? Okay. Since you keep asking me, he hit a tree. One of you guys shot out one of his rear tires. He found it a little difficult to drive on three wheels. He's being transported too. What about the hostage? What about the woman in the car with him? I tried to sit up again and groaned as pain shot up my arm. Shh, lay back, man, lay back. She's fine. She bailed out of the truck before it hit the tree. She's a little banged up, but she's fine. She's being transported too. I guess she put up a fight against the guy in the truck. He was driving like crazy and she was beating the snot out of him as he drove. Now, I answered your questions. Now answer mine. So little Mary Margaret was okay. And she managed to hit Kovach more than once while he was driving. Fiona was right. I underestimated that poor little homely thing. I rattled off my medical history to him, grimacing in pain. Thanks. You hurting really badly? I can give you something for the pain. I nodded. The medic filled a syringe. This is fentanyl. It'll take the edge off. I dutifully held out my good arm and let the drug work. I guess she's got a raise coming then. I slurred as the pain subsided. What? The medic leaned over me so he could understand. She's my assistant. She works with me, I said. I guess she's got a raise coming. The medic laughed. <laughs> yeah, I guess she does. The emergency room door was swimming with cops when we pulled in. 
A couple of them patted my shoulder as I was rolled into the patient bay and surrounded immediately by medical personnel. A mobile x-ray machine confirmed what the medic suspected. Kovach's bullet had snapped the outer bone of my arm. Nurses and technicians fiddled around my gurney, starting an IV line, cutting what was left of my sleeve off my injured arm, taking vital signs. A young Indian doctor, her black hair pinned up professionally, and her stethoscope hung around the back of her neck, leaned over my gurney. I am Dr. Adhira Chadhari, she said in her littling voice. I'm going to take care of you today. I'm afraid you're going to need surgery, Mr. Fitzhugh. Your arm is badly broken. We need to get you into the operating room. I'm not going anywhere until somebody tells me what happened to Fiona Rafferty and Mary Margaret Cleary, I said. Dr. Chidhari reached for my hand and leaned close to my face. My stomach dropped in fear. You're a brave man, Mr. Fitzhugh, from what I've been told. I feel like I can tell you the truth. Agent Rafferty is in very grave condition, she said softly. We are doing everything we can to stabilize her, but she will likely need to be transferred to a trauma center in Pittsburgh, if she makes it. So I hadn't saved her. Once again, I'd let her down in the moment she needed me most. Years ago, she'd saved my life. To pay her back, I screwed around on her and broke her heart. Tonight, I tried to fix all that I'd done wrong. I tried to make it all right. I tried to keep her from running towards Kovach. I tried to get her to stop. When that didn't work, I tried to take one shot to make up for the one that she took that made certain I still walked on this planet. And I missed. Thanks to me, she could be dying. I raised my chin, hopefully concealing my fear. And Mary Margaret? Dr. Chadhari leaned back and smiled. She's one tough cookie, Mr. Fitzhugh, just like you. She has a broken wrist and some serious abrasions after leaping from the truck, but she'll be fine, just fine. I believe her mother is here to pick her up. We need to let someone know you're here. Are you married, Mr. Fitzhugh? Dr. Chidhari nodded, almost imperceptibly, at the nurse standing by my IV pole. The edges of my world got fuzzy and warm. Grace Darcy... I said, suddenly unable to control my rubber lips. She's in Vienna with the music club, Mozart. Doctor, Grace, Grace Darcy. And the lights went out. The next afternoon, as soon as Dr. Shadhari was happy I wasn't going to puke my guts up and that everything that I put in my mouth came out the other end, they released me. Even though the only thing that didn't work was my arm, I let a hospital volunteer push me to the front door in a wheelchair. Then, as my sister Katie pulled up in her van, I stood up and walked back in. Niccolo! Where the hell do you think you're going, Niccolo? Katie threw the van into park and jumped out of the driver's seat. I forgot something, I said. You didn't come in here with anything. I brought you the shirt you've got on this morning. What could you forget? She asked. I need to see Fiona. Katie was Fiona's champion all those years ago. They'd been roommates and best friends. When I was thinking of proposing to her, I told Katie first. When we split up, Katie didn't speak to me for a month. Maybe she'd understand why I needed to see Fiona, 
Maybe she wouldn't. It didn't matter. I turned and started back towards the elevator. Hold on, Niccolo, Katie demanded, grabbing the back of my shirt. Wait a minute. What is it? What do you know? Pain flitted across my little sister's eyes. She's not here. What do you mean she's not here? She was transported to a trauma hospital in Pittsburgh last night by helicopter. Is she okay? Katie bit her lip. It's bad, Niccolo. It's bad. We're going to Pittsburgh. Now. No, we're not. You're going home. You're not in any shape to travel. And besides, Gracie is on her way home, too. She'll be seriously pissed if she comes all the way back from Vienna and you're at your ex-fiancé's bedside. Okay. I let her guide me back to the van. We drove home to my place in silence. Katie made sure I was settled onto the couch, putting the television remote, a can of soda, and my various medications on the end table next to me. Ma's bringing you pasta for dinner. She wants to know if you want meatballs, Katie said as she walked back into the kitchen. I don't care what she brings. I just can't get my mind off of Fiona. I let her down again, Katie. I let her down. Stop it, she called out. You did everything you could, and meatballs will be good for you. It will keep Ma from worrying about you, too. I'm picking up your wife at Akron Canton in a couple of hours to bring her home. She returned with a capicola sandwich and chips on a plate. You better be here when I get back at five or so. You hear me? I nodded. Katie kissed me goodbye. For an hour or two, I clicked through the worthless lineup called Daytime TV before I wanted to shut it off or shoot the flat screen. Lucky for me, there was a knock at the door. It was Reisner, looking somber. What's up? I asked. Can I come in, Mr. Fitzhugh? Sure. And call me Fitz. Everybody does. How did you know I was here? I went to your office first, but it was closed. I got your address from the police department. How's Fiona? I heard she was flown to Pittsburgh last night. Reisner grimaced as we sat on the couch and sighed. He looked like he hadn't slept. What's up with Fiona? Is she okay? I repeated. Reisner looked down in his lap, and my eyes followed. He clutched something, wrapped in a white handkerchief. My stomach sank. I knew what it was. We were silent for a few moments. She didn't make it, did she? No, Fitz. No, she didn't. She died on her way to Pittsburgh in the helicopter. She just lost too much blood. Damn it. I felt the tears well up in my eyes. I stared at the ceiling to try to keep them from going down my cheeks. She was the love of my life, once upon a time. When she first got the message from Mary Margaret about Jeff Kovach, Agent Rafferty came into my office and told me the whole story. I asked her if she felt comfortable about coming to Fawcettville on this case. One, because of her husband's death, and two, because of the relationship with you. So you knew? Reisner nodded. Yes, I knew about how she fired the one shot that saved her life in the alley. That much was in her personal file when we hired her. 
She told me about your messy breakup one night. I also knew she never quite stopped caring for you. I'm sorry, Fitz. I exhaled. I wanted to say I'm sorry, but she wouldn't let me. I wanted to keep her safe out there, but she was bound and determined. My words drifted off. Your shot hit the rear wheel of Kovach's truck. You're the reason his truck hit the tree. You stopped him. You think you didn't protect Fiona, but you avenged her husband's death. Even Fiona would have seen justice in that. You were a big part of the operation that saved Mary Margaret and her grandmother. What happened to Kovach? He died at the scene. Again, we were silent. Kovach had gotten his, but at the cost of Mark and Fiona Rafferty, two people who loved each other. They should have spent their entire lives together instead of laying side by side beneath a joint headstone. Reisner reached towards me with the wadded up handkerchief. She would have wanted you to have this. I took it from him, laying it on my leg, carefully unfolded it with my one good hand. It was Fiona's FBI badge. I traced the gold eagle at the top and turned it over. A line of blood ran down the pebbled back. I handed it back to Reisner. I can't. This belongs to her family. They should have this, not the scumbag who broke her heart. Reisner pushed the badge back at me. Her parents know what you did at the scene. They want you to have it. I stared silently at it. Reisner laid a hand on my shoulder. I need to get back to Pittsburgh. Unfortunately, I have a funeral to attend in the next couple days. You'll let me know the details. I want to be there. Reisner nodded and stood. Without a word, he let himself out. I was upstairs stuffing Fiona's badge in the drawer of my dresser when I heard Katie and Gracie pull up in the driveway. I didn't want to hide the truth about what happened from Gracie. No doubt my wife knew the whole story anyway. Katie's mouth worked like that. But just like she didn't know about the envelope of memories in the bottom of my drawer in my office desk, she didn't need to know about the badge. She might not understand, and I'd made life hard enough for her during the course of our short marriage. I heard the front door open and a thump of luggage on the floor. I shoved the drawer closed. Niccolo? Niccolo, where are you, honey? Are you okay? Gracie ran upstairs. We met in the bedroom doorway, and she threw her arms around me, sobbing. Oh, God, Niccolo, I was so worried that I'd lose you. I held her close to me with one arm, buried my head in her shoulder, and just let the tears come. This episode is narrated by Casey Martin. Fracktown Gumshoe is based on the novels by Deborah Gaskill.